Hey, good Tuesday morning to you, and welcome into Darren, Donick, and Chase here live at Pete and Terry's Tavern. That's what it says right there on the wall. Sure does. It's a big picture of Pete Weber and a big picture of Terry Crisp. And in the middle, it's got a microphone. Yeah. And we've got microphones. We do. And I'm Darren McFarland, and he's you are. Chase McCabe. I am. And Willie Donick will join us in a bit. And you know why we're here, right? We're, we're looking at Bridgestone Arena. We're looking at a sign that says, Welcome to Smashville. You, you know what that means, right? You, I'm, I hope if you're listening to the show, you know what that means. What Welcome to Smashville means? Well, just what we're doing. Yeah. I, I would hope. It's game day. Yeah, there we go. It's game day. Yeah, it wasn't a trick question. It wasn't. It is. The Anaheim Ducks. Speaking of, we got a bird in here. We do. It's not a duck. No. Nope. It's a bird. It's a it bird. actually flies. Um, well, I mean, I guess ducks yeah, fly. Ducks fly. Yeah, fly. I was about to say. Yeah. But, they're not penguins. <laughs> Although penguins, they fly too, right? Uh, they can, isn't that right? They can, can, but they just really don't. Turkeys are the ones that don't. Really? I think that's right. I think turkeys jump and they like they kind of hover down, but I don't think they actually fly. They're like, like drones. Yeah. I, I'm not. Look, I'm not a. I'm not a bird expert. This, this is. This is we. We're off to, to a great we don't, start. We need, no, we don't need to. Do, we need to punt. Yeah. Okay. This punt. is where. Where's Brett Kern? <laughs> this is where we send the best NFL punter out there and do his job because this yeah. is we are not experts no. on this. No, we I've noticed. Do, that, look, do not blow us up on Twitter, okay? Unless <laughs> you've got correct info about these these damn birds we're talking about, okay? It, it better be correct because I don't know which one whose info was good, whose info was bad. Right. We both were kind of throwing darts, although they need a dartboard. Here in Pete and Terry's Tavern. They do. That would be cool. They do have cornhole boards. We could do that during the breaks. But just don't blow us up on Twitter. We, I, I don't, unless you have correct info. Because I don't want to be reading all this stuff and then other people will be like, that's, that's incorrect. They do not. I go turkey hunting. I'm telling you. You know, I just, just trust yeah, me. Yeah, we don't need that. Um, last night was a little bit of a turkey game. That was a dud. Thank you, Adam Gase and the Jets. I, that, I, wa- I watched for it for abs- one reason. For for that clunker that you provided us. I mean, that clunker of a Monday night football game. In New York. Oh, it was bad. But at halftime, I Brett Kern did. I did. At halftime, I said, I'm, I'm Brett Kerning this. Well, I'm out. I'm out. I went over to uh, NHL Network. I watched them just kind of go around the league, and I just watched some some hockey. I just I, I couldn't take it. I just could not take it. There were some good matchups. There were some, you know, Blues and Avs. I mean, there were some yeah. some good games. Um, Vegas went to Philadelphia and got roughed up. But uh, there was a good one up in Toronto with the Leafs and the Blue Jackets. So I just – I said the hell with the Jets. They suck. They're embarrassing. Le'Veon Bell, I'm glad you got paid, dude. Hope you're having fun with that team. That team is bad. At, nice nice hire with Adam Gase. That looks like uh, he is certainly going to change that offense, right? Yeah, I – I don't think Sam Darnold is everybody. Oh, everybody wait a minute! Now we're coming into this season. It was Sam Darnold uh, is everybody. Was, he didn't look at last night. Well, yeah, but I mean, I guess he's Booger McFarland. I know you punted, you punted at halftime, but I had, I was flipping around. I wasn't watching the whole game, but I had some fantasy football implications with this game because my opponent uh, Willie's, you know, our our team, our opponent had uh, Tom Brady. So I needed to see if Bill Belichick was going to do what he usually did and take his foot off the gas or hand the ball off a lot, and he did. Right. 
like when he pulled Brady out, I was jumping up and down screaming because I was so because now our team won by a point and a half. There you go. So, um, but Booger did you fly? Did you were you like a turkey? Were you hovering? Yes. Did your feet leave the ground? They did. Yeah, they did. All right. And then and then I regretted that because I'm you know, you're sore. Because you've been working out. I went again yesterday. By the way, did more upper body. So this is how many workouts? Uh, five. We're gonna we're gonna keep count of the workouts. So this is I have not, I have gone consistently for a week. So remember, Chase has gone from everybody out there listening. If you did not hear last week's conversation, Chase was extremely sore. It's the first time in his in his entire life he's ever lifted weights or worked uh, out. Not first time, but uh, pretty close, right? It's first time in a long time. Uh, pretty close. <laughs> I mean, what? The most I've ever you, done. You were a really... trainer in high school. You didn't need to lift weights. No. Okay, so you weren't working out with the team. No. So it's fair to say kind of really your first time lifting weights and just working out in general. And so you you, you were warned by myself and, and Ryan Porth that, you know, just take it easy, big fella. I yeah. mean, you're going to you're gonna regret it. You won't be able to move your arms. You will be like a penguin, and you'll waddle, hey, and you won't be able yesterday to fly. Yesterday, I, I was feeling it yesterday. I was in the zone and I, I felt good. And I, look, well, what I, does that mean? Like you were in the, you know, I, you're in I the pushed workout, it yesterday. So like what? What does that mean? Like you got some good jams on and you get your beats. No, on. I just I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna be better than I was the last time. Some girls in there you were trying to impress. Just what no. what what does that mean? You no, were it feeling it. Wasn't that? I just I was I knew I was gonna push myself and I did, and so it was good. It was a good workout. I I was feeling like. The pain felt good when I left. Like it was one of those like accomplished. And like today, I'm not as sore, so I'm getting used to it. You had confidence. I did. I had some what confidence. You did. We've talked about that on the show. I had a very nice listener come up to me uh, Saturday at Barrel House and uh, tell me how much she appreciated uh, those conversations last week, talking about players and confidence and yeah. how they lose confidence and you know how we've tried to tell people they're not robots they are human beings and yes they're playing at the highest level but the highest level tends to sometimes swallow or humble the best in the world right. i mean they you know mo- i would say most even the great the you know the greatest of greats i mean peyton manning's rookie year right i mean tom brady wasn't the starter from get-go he was drafted in the sixth round i mean it's not like you know he's been handed everything was with a golden spoon he had to earn it and Everybody at the highest level goes through a patch or patches. Usually it's plural. And sometimes it's it's about confidence yeah. and losing your confidence. And so I appreciated that because I do think it's something that a lot of people just think, well, geez, they get paid millions of dollars. They're professional athletes. They're great at what they do. They exude confidence all the time. They're full of themselves. And, yeah, a lot of them are. But – they actually can get humbled at that level. Whatever game it is, whether it's the National Hockey League, the National Football League, NBA, Major League Baseball, you've been humbled at some point, and you can lose your confidence. Some and most get it back. Some do not. Right. Let's and not I, act like they all get it back. They don't. No, sometimes they don't. Some never recover from it. And, you know, I think the jury's going to be out on Marcus Mariota. Will he get his confidence back? Will he get another opportunity to be a starting quarterback in this league? I mean, the way the league works, it's probably safe to say he will. But you don't know if he's going to be able to, to overcome some of the things that he's gone through 
in his career to you know get to where everybody had hoped he could be but um it's just it's a part of it and yeah i think us having that open conversation is it's why we do what we do it's what we should do so i'm glad that people uh, appreciated that yeah yeah it's always uh get it's nice to get feedback yeah from the listeners and uh just wanted to point that out i thought it was a uh, pretty cool that somebody recognized that conversation and right now you know kyle turris is oozing with confidence yeah. and it's showing on the ice yeah he's played well um you know, it was funny. I did the uh, the profile piece on him for Saturday, and I try when I when I'm putting these together, I try and do it on a player that's you know noticeable that has been doing something as of late. And so he's one that has really stood out. and And I talked to Craig Smith for a few minutes because he's played with Kyle quite a bit. I'm like, has anything actually changed with him, or is it just? a fresh, you know, just a new season. And Craig was like, no, nothing's changed. I mean, he, he is still the same Kyle Turris that he always has been. And he works hard and, you know, comes in and, and does his thing. I, I just think it's, and he used that word. He goes, I think it's confidence. I think his confidence has come back. He's, he's showing now that his game does work and he's being rewarded. And I, I think uh, we talked about this yesterday that, you know, Peter Laviolette, he's, not played Kyle for as many minutes, and I don't know if that was by design, but I think that that has helped, that now he's he doesn't have as much time and he's taken advantage of the time that he has. And, and so now he's being rewarded because he's producing. So, and, you know, he did it again the other night. Another guy that's, I think, got confidence back and is playing much better is, is Ryan Ellis. And I was very defensive of Ryan Ellis last season when people would say, well, you know, he's – Maybe not worth the contract. He's not playing well. I mean, he did have a career year in points. There was definitely something different about his game, but you're seeing the Ryan Ellis that I think we've all seen in the past so far this year now leads the team in points. Mike on Twitter says, wild turkeys do fly. They do. Okay. The eating kind don't. Okay. All right. That's according to Mike. Nick on Twitter says, I'm not going to say turkeys can't fly. But I know a guy who drives a truck that had one come through his windshield, <laughs> so I do know they can get at least 10 feet off the ground. There you go. Okay, so a wild turkey can fly, but the kind we'll have a month from now. The domesticated ones. Isn't that weird to say, a month from now? <laughs> Thanksgiving is a month oh, from I, now. Oh, by the way, yeah. I mean, we're, we're almost done with October. Yeah, I was in Target last night, by the way, and uh, – or. And I'm going through, you know, and they have the Halloween, still have the Halloween section, but I noticed it got smaller because guess what? They're already Stop starting it. to put out. Stop it. Don't. And Walmart, same thing. Christmas stuff. Yeah, it's too early, man. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. They do it. It gets earlier and earlier. It's October. Every year. I know. On. I know, but it's two months away. Uh, you know what else is right here on the doorstep? It's not two months away. You know what's like right here, like tonight? The World Series? Yeah, game one of the World Series. Astros and Nationals. When we come back, Kevin Burkhart, of course, uh, is part of the MLB coverage on Fox pre- and post-game host. He does a fantastic job. You can also hear him doing NFL games. With Charles Davis. Yeah, he's really, really good at what he does. And we will talk to him about game one of the World Series. We will do that next on Darren, Donick, and Chase, ESPN 1025, the game.
That music uh, can indicate a lot of things. NFL on Fox. In this case, Major League Baseball on Fox. Darren McFarland, Jace McCabe here on this Tuesday morning. We're at Pete and Terry's Tavern right here. And next door to Bridgestone Arena tonight's the Predators and the Anaheim Ducks. I'll have pregame for you at 6 o'clock, puck drop at 7 o'clock, and everything heard right here on 102.5 The Game. He is fantastic at what he does, and he is on the line with us. Kevin Burkhart, who you can see doing NFL games. You can hear him doing NFL games, and he does a fantastic job with the pre and post for MLB on Fox. And game one of the World Series is tonight. Kevin, how you doing? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Uh, th- I'll tell you what. This is uh, – I'll tell a little story to you because I haven't had a chance to tell you. I went to Denver in late June, early July, and I got to see the Rockies play two teams. I saw them play the Astros first and then the Dodgers. And I came back, and I got on this radio show, and I said, guys, I've got it all figured out. They don't even need to play anymore. It's going to be the Astros and the Dodgers. In the World Series, it's done. (laughs) There's no reason to play any more games. Done deal. Well, obviously, I got half of it right. Uh, I was, I, I was, I whiffed on the Dodgers, but this Astros team, up close and personal, was a pretty impressive unit, and they get even more impressive with the guy on the hill tonight, and Garrett Cole. I mean, when is the last time they lost a damn game when he pitched? May May twenty second. I mean, you think about think about how insane that is. That you know, you're, you're on the mound all those times. Was it twenty five starts now? Um, it's an, it's incredible what he is doing. Listen, I, I would have agreed with you a hundred percent. I mean, I, I think that's the only surprise. You know, I, I thought the I thought the Astros, Yankees, and Dodgers were the best teams in the league, and, and nobody else was was close. Um, well, give credit to the Nationals. I mean, you know, you look at them in the middle of the summer, and they were kind of a rudderless ship. And Davy Martinez, kind of, you know, even with his job on the line, he kind of got them going. And I think the one thing we all thought is with the Nationals. If they ever could kind of break the dam, you know, they never won a playoff series or a game, you know, wild card game. And with that pitching, if they ever could break the dam and just get get a win, they could be trouble. Well, that's what happened, right? I mean, they they, they got somehow got through the wild card and Hater and the Brewers, and then they just started to roll. Um, and they're dangerous because of their starting pitching. So even though I think the Astros are better, uh, listen, Washington may even have better starting pitching than Houston overall. Isn't it crazy, Kevin? You heard us say we're right here at Bridgestone Arena tonight. We're here around a hockey game tonight in Nashville. And who knows? Maybe the inspiration uh, for the Nationals will be what uh, a team right there in their city did a couple years ago, right? Because they both had the same track record, right? Uh, Both were known for their playoff woes and their playoff failures and not being able to knock down that door Good teams, but just could never finish when it counted. The Capitals did it two years ago. Maybe this is the time for the Nationals to break through. I think I think it's a great call. The difference is that the Capitals still had Ovechkin, and the Nationals don't have Bryce Harper anymore. I, I think that's yeah. what's amazing to yeah. me is that you you lose a three hundred million dollar player, and it's almost freed them. Now, look, they still have great players, and maybe players who are better than him in Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto, but it. It still is a fascinating story, isn't it? The fact that you lose a guy who was widely considered one of the best in the game, certainly the face of the franchise, and then you go to the World Series, it, it's amazing. It is. And so I want to talk to you about the layoff. And the Nationals took care of business. They did what you're supposed to do, right? And they did it in unbelievable fashion, just taking care of the Cardinals quick. 
And I don't know anybody who saw that coming. And so they had to sit and wait. And it's finally here. And we've ha- we've seen teams sit and wait. And they've tried to do things like scrimmage or, you know, all kinds of things to try to get ready as they've been sitting there idle waiting for their next opponent. You don't have a break like this in a long baseball season. So how do you think that will affect the Nationals or will it, in your opinion? Well, I'm not smart enough to know, so I asked the guys that I work with since they all played and they all played in the postseason. <laughs> um, and they all seem to agree that it'll definitely help their pitching, you know, especially because the Nationals were using starters in relief every single game. So the fact that they get a six-day rest, the pitchers will throw side sessions and they'll be fine. They'll be, re- they'll be good. The hitting is a big problem. Um, and we've seen that before in the World Series. Most recent in memory is the Detroit Tigers. Uh, the hitting is a, that's a long layoff as a hitter. And you can take all the hacks in the cage you want. But when you're off for a week and then your first assignment is Garrett Cole, I mean, that's just, I, I think it's going to affect them at least tonight. I, I just, I'd be shocked if they came out of the gate tonight hitting, especially against the way Cole is there. And Cole had maybe his most hittable outing. His last time out, he did not have great command against the Yankees, but he still gutted it out and threw a shutout because he's that good. And, and he last two innings of that performance, he locked it in and it was great. So I think tonight the Nationals are really going to have a hard time just kind of getting back in the swing. It's a long time to be a layout, to have that layoff for an offensive player. Yeah, good point. Kevin Burkhart on the line with us, MLB on Fox. Make sure you watch their pregame and postgame coverage. It's fantastic. So speaking of uh, – that esteemed panel you get to work with. They've been there, done it. They've been on the big stages. This is the biggest stage in their sport. The Astros went through this. Most of that roster has been through this. The Nationals have not. In their opinion, when you talk to them, how do you adjust as a player when you know that this is the grandest stage in your sport? And that is different. Uh, you know, There's not going to be any more brighter lights or bigger stage than this one. How do you think the Nationals, how do they think the Nationals will handle that? Yeah, well, I do agree with you, but I will say this. I think, well, the Astros, as we know, they've already been there, and they're as battle-tested as anybody. That, that showed this last series against the Yankees. Um, I think the Nationals, even though it is a new stage and it's totally different, I, I think they're free. You know, I, I just think they're playing free. They, they have absolutely nothing to lose. Their manager was about to get fired in June. Um, and, and, you know, so many things were going wrong for them. And now that they finally broke through and got that first playoff win, and, you know, you saw what happened. They steamrolled the Cardinals. And I, I just think that, I think they'll play that way. I really do. I don't think they have any reason to play tight. I think the, the reason to play tight was the wild card game or the NLDS against the Dodgers. Once they got through that, I mean, the pressure, no one expected them to do this. So I don't think it'll be the same for them. I think the interesting thing will be the very first inning for Max Scherzer tonight. You know, uh, I, I love Max. He is the ultimate competitor. He actually worked with us one postseason, but he does get amped up and sometimes too amped up. And I think if you're ever going to get to him, the first inning may be one to watch. You know, he'll lock in and settle in after that. But sometimes he gets a little too overamped in that first inning and, and the, you know, the energy, that, that death there that he has. I think if it's ever going to affect him, it, it would be then. Kevin Burkhardt, MLB on Fox here with us on Darren Donick and Chase. And looking at this Nationals lineup, you mentioned earlier Bryce Harper, he's not there anymore. He goes to the Phillies. But I, I look at Anthony Rendon, and I, I don't think he gets enough respect in this league because this guy is one of the best hitters in in baseball right now 
he only doesn't get enough respect because he doesn't talk. You know, he, 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 he <laughs> does not like he, – he's, and that's the truth. He's not a media guy. He's never been. He's always been a, a quiet kid. He never liked doing interviews, and he's not a self-promoter. So, you know, when you combine all that and, and yeah, you're not – you're not going to get people to overly gush about you, um, but listen, I, I think, I think the middle of that order, and I agree, Chase. I mean, I think the middle of the order with, with you're talking about Rendon, who had 44 doubles this year and 126 RBIs. I mean, he slugged he slugged almost 600. I, he, he's an incredible player, and he's a great fielder to boot. Um, and Soto is just a freak. He is an, he is he is so skilled as a hitter at his age. Um, it's just a really hard one-two punch in the middle of the order. Um, I, I think Rendon is, is maybe better than Harper, but you're right. They, they, he does not get the recognition. A, he was always second fiddle to Harper, and B, he's just quiet. He never does any of the media stuff, so no one knows who he is. He actually likes it that way. So, But I'm with you, uh, and, and you know what? I think America is going to get to see him this week. Kevin, we had Kirk Casale in studio with us, Chase and I, last week. He's the Reds catcher, played at Vanderbilt, Nashville guy. Uh, Love him. And we brought up Anthony Randone, and I I think me and Chase could have left the room and went down the hall, cooked lunch, (laughs) and just hung up. I mean, he just just was gushing about Anthony Randone. It was was pretty impressive. Obviously, the Reds and Nationals, they see each other a lot. And so he he had – and he's a catcher, so he – he just could not stop talking about how good this guy is. He sets an example for them. And I think when – look, I think when Harper was there, it's a different clubhouse, right? So, you know, when, when he leaves – and, look, I'm not trying to throw shade on Bryce Harper. It's just, you know, I'm not saying – you know, but, but it is different, right? It's just like anything else. Um, you know, it's like when, you know, when Jeter leaves the Yankees, the room's going to be different, you know? And so I think Rendon is just kind of led by example. Scherzer is the guy that kind of grabs and leads from the pitching perspective. Um, and I think guys really appreciate that from him. Yeah, I, I am curious because I asked Kurt about this, you know, with the Nationals that did they almost did it almost help them for Bryce to leave? And nothing against Bryce, but when you have a team like the Nationals that doesn't get a lot of notoriety, but they do because of one guy and a superstar. I think the rest kind of get overlooked, like I was saying about Rendon. So I'm wondering if that's kind of helped them a little bit to come to come together that now the superstar and Bryce Harper is gone and they have to play more as a team. Yeah, it could be. You know, I, I think, Chase, it, it was just different. I think, you know, for, you know, look, I think if Bryce was there, could they be here? Absolutely they could. Sure. It, it just happened to be that they, they couldn't get past that, that hump with them, you know, and I – um, you know, I, I guess I guess the real answer here is the fact that the Nationals made the right call not re-signing him. I mean, that, that's really what it comes down to. You know, I mean, you know, they, they were debating on it. I mean, they offered him a contract, and then he obviously took a lot more money to sign with Philadelphia. And so, what that says to me is, it's going to be fascinating to see whether they sign Rendon. It's the same exact spot with the same agent in Scott Boris, and if they didn't pay that to Bryce Harper. It's not going to be $300 million, I don't think, but it's going to be a lot of money to keep Anthony Rendon. So what are they going to do this time around? Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, another guy for the Nationals that you know, I think you have to cheer for because he's been there, I guess, since they got to Washington is Ryan Zimmerman, uh, their first baseman. How cool of a story is this for him to be able to play in the World Series? Yeah, I, I think that is a great call. I mean, he's the Nationals' you know, fourth overall pick in 05 essentially is the first guy right i mean he, he is the yeah. original he's the original national and he is 
he is as good as a guy as I've covered in the game. I mean, I've known him for a long time when I was working for the Mets, and, and um, he – He's gone through a lot, you know. He's gone through a lot of injuries. You know, he was a, uh, a really a Gold Glove third baseman, and he was a Gold Glove third baseman. And then he had all kinds of shoulder and arm injuries, and just couldn't throw anymore. So, you know, going through that and watching him go through that, and talking to him about that, and then moving to p- different positions, and you know, all the injuries he's dealt with, you know, I I'm just so happy for him. You know, he, he and I and I think he's made a difference. I mean, I think you know he's one of those guys too. He's, he's you know he's not a he's not a rah rah guy. He's just a quiet get your job done guy, but he is, he is well, well respected. I, I mean, guys really look up to him and you know what? He's had some big hits in this postseason. You know, he had a good series against the Dodgers had a home run in that series. He's hit well here and he's led by example. Um, he, he, he look, put it this way. If you have no dog in the fight tonight, if you're looking, that's the guy to root for uh, Ryan Zimmerman. Yeah. You bring up the Mets. Uh, does Carlos Beltran actually have a shot at being the manager? From what I hear, he does, um, and I think he'd be great. And the crazy thing is, he he has no he doesn't have to be a manager. He's got a ton of money. He is so set up um, in life for what he whatever he wants to do. But he's a baseball junkie, and he loves it. And he can't get away from it. He's done so many things with you know baseball uh, back where he's from in Puerto Rico. He's built schools. He's, he's done a, a lot, and he just loves the game. So I know he desperately wants it. I know the Mets are interested. I think he'd be great. I just don't know if they're going to hire a first-year guy. Um, but, I, you know, I'll tell you what, I know he's never managed. I don't consider him a first-year guy. I don't know that I've talked to people. You know, I, I, I've never heard anything bad about him. I've never heard one yeah. bad thing about him. He's so utterly well-respected. Um, you know, I think the fact that because of his status, because of who he is, because he's bilingual, I think, I think that really helps with the players and with the young players. Um, I think he'd be great. I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger on him. I know they've interviewed like a million people for that gig. Uh, but I, you know what, Chase? I think he'd be really good. And, and I know he's still got a chance. All right, Kevin, before we let you go, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to, after the World Series, go to your bosses at Fox, Week 16, Saints-Titans in Nashville. You need to do that game. We need to get you to Nashville. <laughs> Yeah, we have uh, we have a long over long overdue beers on the line. I, I don't yes. I don't know week sixteen. I have no concept of where we'll be that week. But I mean that's a possibility. The Saints are really good. I don't you know the, your yeah. Titans are are having a hard time, but it's possible. It's a possibility. I will put <laughs> it in into the mix. Like All I haven't right. said it by the way. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be fun. Kevin, really enjoy the visit. Thanks for doing this and uh, enjoy covering the World Series. Should be a lot of fun. All right, guys. Thanks. Enjoy the hockey tonight. We'll see you. All right. Appreciate it. That is Kevin Burkhart. Does NFL games, and tonight it'll be MLB on Fox. Game one, World Series, Astros and Nationals. Max Scherzer versus Garrett Cole. You can also hear that. Game one on 94.9. Game two, that is going to be your home for the World Series. So game one tonight on 94.9. Game two, tomorrow night, game two. On 94.9 Game 2, and then uh, the series shifts. So yep. it'll be Friday for Game 3, Sunday Game 4, and then, you know, so forth and so on. But uh, if Sunday, it'll be on uh, 102.5 The Game on Sunday. So yep. Game 4 on Sunday on 102.5 The Game. But remember, Game 1 tonight, 94.9 Game 2, is where you can hear it. All right, we'll come back. More of Darren, Donick, and Chase next on ESPN 102.5 The Game. We're here at Pete and Terry's Tavern. Don't forget, you can stop by for lunch. Burger and a beer, $12.50.
Burger and a beer, twelve dollars and fifty cents. It's a good place. Last time we were here, it was absolutely slammed. Yeah, for lunch. Of course, we had tickets to give away too. That helped. That helps. Never hurts. Uh, Kathy on Twitter says that yes, I can confirm wild turkeys can fly. One of them flew into me on a bike ride when I lived in Northern California. Gave us quite the scare. How about this one? With video. Oh, we got video. Yes, with video. And first I want to show you, this is not good for radio, okay? But I'm going to show you the video to then so we can tell ah. the audience. Now, hold on, hold on. Look at that. That's a big truck, right? A yeah. big truck. Now, look in the back. Hello, there's the culprit. Yeah. Okay? So, Beef and Beats Johnson sent a video saying we had a turkey-related fender bender as uh, a few months ago. It only bent the windshield, uh, looking at the windshield. It did more than bend it. Uh, not the fender. This is a big truck, a big pickup truck, and in the back was the culprit, the turkey. By the way, smashed his windshield is what it looked like to me, right? Yeah. So, by the way, like I said, big truck, so it had to be up off the ground. So I guess we – you're right. That is – you could hover, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's your, to your point. Yeah. Yeah. So not not a good day for that, that turkey. Yeah. Uh, Adam Vingan of The Athletic says Philip Forsberg is not participating in the Predators' optional morning skate. So an optional skate today uh, for the Preds as they're on the ice right now. No Philip Forsberg. So I guess continues to be day-to-day for number nine. Somebody they, that they've missed because he was off to a fantastic start. That chemistry with Matt Duchesne, you hate to see him out of the lineup. So hopefully he can get back in soon. Just saw, but very good. Uh, yeah, five goals. Yeah. yeah that's, he's off to a pretty good start before missing the last couple of games. Um, ironically, we just got done talking to Kevin Burkhart, and Bruce Feldman tweeted out, good story on Kevin Burkhart, the rare announcer who is great as a studio host as he is as play-by-play guy. Huh. How about that? That's very cool. And it looks like it's an article in... Forbes. Yeah. You seen that? I just, yeah, I just clicked on it. That's pretty cool. It's funny because Kevin and I have actually never met face-to-face, but we've gotten to know each other through social media and a mutual friend. And so that's why I'm so anxious for him to come here so we can actually meet. Yeah. You know, cover a Titans game and and, uh, and all that. But just, uh, and, and look, he's, I guess technically with the NFL, he's on the number two team, but I think he is a fantastic play-by-play man, along with Charles Davis on on their crew, and and then what he does with baseball, and uh, it's so cool to if you follow him on Instagram, he's all the all the time uh, sending out videos behind the scenes of Alex Rodriguez and David Ortiz and Frank Thomas, and just them giving their thoughts on the game. I mean, how awesome is that to be able to pick those guys' brains <laughs> night in and night out? So three of the best. So it's pretty cool. No doubt about it. I uh, was looking at switching gears. I know we're kind of all over the map. Uh, I was looking at Pro Football Focus, and they had Taylor Lewan graded out as the top offensive lineman of the week. I believe it. How he, about that? He had it. And what was funny is I said to Calvin Smith on the kickoff, I was like, you know what? I think Taylor Lewan's going to have a really good game. It just – Things are shaping up for that because, and you heard me bring this up yesterday of, did he take it personally that, 
Marcus Mariota got benched because he's always been very protective of Marcus, of his quarterback. That's that's the left tackle's job. And I think there are times where you see that side of Taylor Lewan where if he doesn't do his job, if he gets penalties, I mean, he, he gets upset about it now. You still see it, so you want to see him fix that. But he, he had a penalty-free week. He played a solid game doing his job at the left tackle. The offensive line only gave up two sacks throughout the entire game. So uh, I think that's well-deserved by Taylor Lewan to get that honor because he played a good game. Says uh, Pro Football Focus Lewan did allow one pressure across his 32 snaps and pass protection, but he made up for it with the play as a run blocker. He led all qualifying offensive linemen in run blocking grade at 90.2. Wow. About that. So he graded out as the best offensive lineman of the week. You talk about confidence. He needed that. Not that Taylor Lewan has ever lacked confidence, but I think it was, you know, playing two games after the suspension, he needed a good game like that. Yeah, no doubt about it, right? And so I was trying to look at, uh, see if any other Titans showed up on their list no does not look like anybody else even special teams how, how do you the Bengals punter yeah. really really Bengals yeah mm. um but anyway just thought i'd pass that along and so it'll be the titans and the bucks sunday at noon the titans are currently about a two and a half point favorite the yep. bucks had an off week and the bucks are coming off their last game being in london where they got roughed up by Carolina, and Jameis Winston is still throwing interceptions, and it was what just, was it five? It was a bad. I think they had seven total turnovers. Yeah. It was a bad, bad, bad game for the Bucks. So they've had a long time to think about that bad, bad, bad game in London, and we'll see what they look like. I think this is going to be. I think everybody feels good about the win over the Chargers. It's another home game. A chance to get to 500, but I, I kind of look at it the other way and think this this could be a tricky game because the Bucks don't look great. But are you wanting you, to use the T word? That's a trap game. Yeah. I well, look, just because of what I said, I think the Bucks, you know, they they came off an awful, yeah, awful performance, and it's just maybe because they're just not a very good football team, and that that could be the case. Certainly the Falcons have had bad football games, and they haven't picked themselves up off the map. By the way, they traded their wide receiver, Mohamed Sanu, to the Patriots for a second-round Falcons pick. traded him. Falcons, yes. Yeah. What did I say? Well, you were talking about the Bucks. Oh, that was yeah, yeah. Well, I, I brought up the Falcons. Okay. They're not I picking themselves up off the map after they're just a bad football team. So what did they do? They traded away Sanu to the Patriots for a second-round pick. But I don't know. I just... I just, I just, I don't have a weird feeling about it. They're coming off a bye week, coming off a really, really bad performance. I think this one is going to be tricky, but who knows? I mean, you know, if Ryan Tannehill plays anywhere near to yeah. what he played then last the, week, then, then they'll you know, be fine. So that's different. The the things that concern me is number one, this is the most consistent, inconsistent team I think that I've ever seen, being the Tennessee Titans, and two. The defense has been been awesome. They've held their opponents to 20 or less. But at some point, they're going to have a down game where they're going to need the offense to pick them up. I, that's just that's football. I'm not wishing for that. I'm just calling it like I see it. That's football. That's how it works sometimes. And so I'm with you that this is 
This is a game you need. You need to win. Put back-to-back wins together for the first time this season. You know, you're, you're at home, so you have an opportunity. And I said, you know, with the, the three games that they had um, starting a week ago with Denver, you had a chance to win all three of those games. You needed to take at least two out of three to preserve the season. Well, you dropped the, the game to Denver. You made the quarterback change. You looked good against the Chargers last week, got that win. Uh, as loud noises happen, and we don't know what that is. <laughs> but uh, you have an opportunity now to to do something to help salvage the season, get back to 500. But I'm with you. The inconsistencies worry me when it comes to this matchup against the Bucks. David Poyle, Predators General Manager, will join us at 11.15 for his weekly chat with us. Mitch Light, F on Sports, will get into a lot of college football discussion Coming up at noon, he will also join us on site. There's a lot of news around Tua and Alabama. Doesn't look good for him playing. Good news for him, for Alabama, they play Arkansas. It's essentially a bye week. And then they're off after this game. And so will he be ready to go for the big, huge tilt on November 9th against LSU? Mm. They can certainly get away with it easily this week against Arkansas. Arkansas is awful. They're in the best-case scenario Awful. for this situation. Did you see their fake punt on yeah, Saturday? Yeah, it's just bad. Oh, my god! I don't know. I don't know if Chad Morris – I just don't know. I, I mean, it, it shouldn't look this bad in Oof. year two. I know he didn't inherit anything, and he had a, a lot of work to do, but whew, so it is. Right now. it is not going to affect them this week. Then, like I said, they're off, and then it's the big one. It is the college football showdown, and will Tua be ready? Will he – is that ankle going to continue to be a problem? It was the other ankle last year, you know, especially in the championship game, and now it's it's this ankle. And so, and that's another thing. Moving forward, is this going to become like a theme right. now? Are people going to start questioning to his ankles? And right. Will that affect his draft status? So a lot of things around that. So we'll get into all that and more at noon with Mitch Light from Athlon Sports. We'll come back and close out the first hour of Darren, Donnie, and Chase next. Everybody thinks they want this job. Everybody thinks they want this job. But I can tell you for sure that I'm one of maybe a few men in this country that's built for this job. The way it sits today. Man, I love this team. I love Vanderbilt. I'm a Commodore through and through. But you can can question me about decision-making, man, man, but don't question me about being a Commodore. Vanderbilt football coach Derek Mason, who will join us today at 1 o'clock in his postgame press conference after their huge win over Missouri this past Saturday. Welcome back into Darren Donick and Chase. Chase McCabe hanging out at Pete and Terry's Tavern uh, here at Bridgestone Arena. Predators and Ducks coming up tonight. We'll have pregame coverage at 6 o'clock. As uh, Darren McFarlane has stepped away for a second for morning skate to uh, take care of some pregame duties for that. Max Hers is back at the Game Nashville Studios uh, from Wholesale Inc., powered by RumbleOn.com. So, Max, I'm going to give you my thoughts on that, and then I want you to tell me how far off I am. I, I listened to that in his postgame press conference. I heard his interview on TV where he basically said the same thing. And, you know, last week when he was on, I didn't know what to expect because there were a lot of rumors swirling and the, the team didn't look good. And you just you talk to Derek Mason and you hear this just passion in his voice that he really wants to turn this thing around. And 
when he says that everybody thinks they want this job and that he's built for this job, you know, how I interpret that is he's built for a job where you don't get a lot of help from the administration. Now, Malcolm Turner is the new athletic director, and I feel like there's there's going to be some change there that he's he's trying to do much more for athletics than, than maybe they've gotten in the past. But it's a tough job. It's a tough place to recruit because the academic side, that academics are the most important, which, okay, that's that's how Vanderbilt is. That's great. But the stadium is not up to standards of the SEC. Let's just be honest. The facilities, they need a lot of work too. So it's almost like Derek Mason takes this job six years ago after a tremendous run from James Franklin for three years where, let's be honest, he overachieved as the Vanderbilt football coach. He's got one arm tied behind his back because of how the facilities and how things work in the athletic department over there. So I get it, and he's made the most of it. What did you take away from his comments? And and am I off base in what I'm saying? I think you're right. Also, hello. Hello, Max. I do want to give a shout-out, just because you guys mentioned it last segment, that Arkansas fake punt, the chess pass, that's former Vanderbilt punter Sam Loy. <laughs> so i got to give my boy Sam Loy some love. But I think for the most part you are correct. Where I differ from you is the first thing you said when Derek Mason was on our show last week. I don't think anything he said was different from what I expected. And I I think I probably would have read it differently if he came out and said, we feel good about this week because guess what? We're starting our third string quarterback who's never started a game at Vanderbilt before and things are going to look different. And that's yeah, what he meant, right? I, think. I I liked that. I liked that he kept it a secret, though, because I, oh yeah, I th- I think that was the perfect move. You know, sometimes like especially when you're going into the first game of the season and you have a camp quarterback battle and there's all this you know cloak and dagger stuff and it's secret and okay whatever. But in this situation where it's been very clear that Riley Neal has struggled, Deuce Wallace has struggled, and and now you have Mo Hat is it Hassan 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 Mo Hassan on the sideline that, okay, maybe you do have a secret weapon. And it worked. And it, the, the offense looked different. Things worked for them. So I, I thought it was a brilliant move. It was one of the, the best coaching moves he's made. But um, I'm with you on that. that you know, but I, I don't know if announcing it was you know, the way to go or not announcing it. But whatever the case may be, it ended up working. And Riley Neal had a chance at redemption because he came back in and uh, almost gave it away, but then ended up getting the win for the Commodores. So it was huge and, and in some ways job-saving maybe for, for Derek Mason, even though I never really felt like he was going to lose his job at the end of the year. I, I felt like it, it was definitely going to go into next year. I think more so than job-saving, it was program-reviving. Yeah, I mean, there's a pulse back in Vanderbilt football now. There was dancing on the sideline again. We hadn't seen <laughs> that at all this season. I mean, it's crazy because – These two big home wins over Tennessee under Derek Mason, the debut of the vest, Alvin Kamara going out of bounds, how fun those games have been. The sidelines have been nuts. Right. I mean, it's just been the teams have been in all – Vandy's been in all black for both of those games, and it's just been a sea of black just dancing around on the sideline going crazy, going into the fourth quarter. And then this year, in all of their games, even the win over Northern Illinois, which was a win, but there still wasn't life. There still wasn't life on the sideline. And then this game, it was there the entire time. It picked up as the game went on and on. 
I mean, everybody was in on it. It looked like Alan Walters, the fourth string QB, was the guy leading it. The freshmen were into it. The redshirt guys, the guys who were dressed out, they were going crazy. And they just hadn't had that this season. And I think the thing that we're still trying to answer, even though we've heard it answered in bits and pieces, how the heck do you go from a valley, a low point, losing to UNLV at home, the lowest moment of Derek Mason's tenure, to one of the highest in a week? And it seems like Mo Hassan was the answer. He changed everything morale-wise. The team began to trust each other, and it flipped things. So... What do you make of uh, of Malcolm Turner? I know you're very involved in athletics over there, and he's been on the job now for for several months, approaching a year. Ten, and yeah, I, ten months already. Yeah, it's hard to believe. And I know that there have been a lot of discussions behind the scenes because I think he realizes change needs to happen. They're, they need to do more <laughs> from an athletic standpoint. So what do you think those changes are going to be? Uh, first, I, I always preface this discussion by saying that I am extremely pro-Malcolm Turner. Extremely, extremely okay. pro Malcolm Turner. Have been from the first time his name came up as a rumor, the day he was hired, the first time we heard him speak, the day he took the job in February, the times I've had a chance to meet him, and everything he's done. I am 100% in favor of Malcolm Turner. I think he is the perfect person, the absolute perfect person to be Vanderbilt's athletic director. And if there are people out there who disagree with that, I would love to talk to them about it, to be honest with you. But the, the newest update that we got this past week they have brought Deloitte Consulting in to, to, I mean, to just go on a consulting project and look at Vanderbilt Athletics as a business, look at what they have, look at their resources, look at what they're up against, look, and basically decide what to do. And they're going right. to be big plans. They're going to be big changes. We've heard a lot about the athletic strategic plan, which is what they're calling it. And we found out last week that Deloitte was here to have a meeting. Malcolm Turner said this on, on WNSR, that they are going from diligence to ideation. So that is the step that is being taken now. They've finally gotten all their facts. We knew this was how Malcolm Turner operates. He himself comes from a consulting background, just like the firm that he's working with. He's going to take his time. He doesn't want to do anything without knowing all the facts and making the best possible informed decision. And they've done things, both publicly yeah. and privately, both visible and behind the scenes. Like They have spent money. They have made improvements. But the big plan isn't starting yet, and that is totally, totally fine. But we're getting closer, and the other thing that Malcolm Turner said in that radio appearance last week was he wants to be more public with these initial steps. He feels like they have been too private, haven't said enough to the fan base, and they want to make sure that they are providing the narrative and giving out information, which I think is the right thing to say. And it was, I mean, it was not refreshing because we hadn't we hadn't heard Malcolm Turner make a mistake before, but he was honest in admitting that he yeah. thinks he took the wrong path here, which I respect him for. Yeah. Yeah, I respect that too. So, and I, I know we're working on uh, getting him on the show soon, and and it would be my first opportunity to talk to him um, and get his thoughts on things. Because you know, you were a student there. I've lived here my whole life and have been a Vanderbilt fan. I grew up going to that stadium and Memorial Gym, and uh, you know what is now Hawkins Field. You know, watching athletics over there, and it's just I want to see more. I want to see more of an emphasis on uh on the athletics and so i uh, hopefully malcolm turner is the guy for the job he's max hers back at our studios when we come back we'll get you set up for the preds game tonight against the anaheim ducks darren and willie will be uh joining us here shortly and also david Poyle, predators general manager coming up at eleven fifteen on espn 1025 the game